We are very excited for you to join us today for this episode of the New Zealand Tech Marketers podcast and enjoy this interview with Sasha McGregor, who will tell you about her story from creative writer to business development specialist to creative director, director and founder of Follow My Lead. With over 20 years of marketing experience, Sasha will talk to us about her experience in tech marketing. Sasha, can you tell us a bit more about your experience and how you ended up in the tech and innovation space? Yeah, of course. Hi, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Hi to all of our tech marketers. Um, Yeah, I probably started my marketing career, I guess, when I was about 16 and I got a job working on a very small local radio station in Devonport in Auckland called The Flea. And I used to give updates, community updates once a week or a couple of times a week. And so I would go out and I would ask local businesses or people what was going on. And I'd give updates like, you know, this golf course hole has had a change or this event is on or that kind of thing. And that was sort of my first move into into marketing and radio. And that for me was like, yeah, you know, this this is where I want to be. I want to do something in this space. So after school, I went to Auckland Uni and I did a BA majoring in film and TV and communications. And my plan was to, you know, go into that TV and, and film space. I worked in regional TV down here in Christchurch for a number of years. And after that, I moved into radio and I, I loved working in radio. Radio's immediate. You can have an idea and, you know, within an hour or two, you can have an ad that's been created. And so I liked I liked that side of it. My work there was working with the creative team. So I worked with clients to sit down, understand their business, create a radio campaign for them, often produce and record that radio campaign or get one of our engineers to do it. Did quite a lot of voicing work there as well. And then it kind of grew in that I would often support clients as well in terms of, you know, how do you get a good website and, you know, let's have a look at the website copy on your on your website and make sure that we're covering all the things that you need to cover because a radio campaign could be amazing, but if you don't have a good website or you don't have the other pieces in the puzzle that you need to really convert that into leads, it's, it's not going to work. And so as that kind of progressed as well, it was talking all about, you know, digital and how do we make sure that you're making the most of things online as well, you know, with Facebook advertising and and all of the different bits and pieces. So, yeah, that was really fun. I had a great time working at MediaWorks. I, then we had kids. And so I took a break. I still did some voicing work from home. I had a voice booth at home and still voiced various different ads and TV, some radio, some online stuff. And then when the kids were a little bit older, that's when I started my business that I have now, which is called Follow My Lead. And so what we do is we create training material for all types of businesses of all different sizes. And the really cool thing I think about training is that so much of it actually is kind of about marketing. It's about, right, okay, you know, we need to teach somebody a concept. How do we take this really complex information that we have and turn it into something interesting and you know how do we convey that message and how do we draw somebody in and and make them interested in what we're trying to teach them and so much of this is the same about especially tech marketing it's like you know how do we take this really complex amazing product that we have to sell to people and how do we boil it down to actually make them interested in and not overload them with information and just tell them kind of what they need to know in a way that they can understand and And so the training side too, like you're looking at it and you think it's just training, but it affects so many yeah. other elements of marketing, like your customer yes. attention and, you, you know, your brand and how people perceive the brand. And it's not yeah. just training, it's all of those and it builds up to kind of the whole package really. Yes, it does. And so, yeah, you're right. They, you know, they, they, they are quite kind of interlinked. And so 
that that's what I do now. I also went back to MediaWorks or I, I work with one of the main sales reps there, Murray Hale, very knowledgeable sales rep, very successful sales rep, been in, in the industry a long time. And I get to work with uh, some of their bigger national clients, which is a lot of fun. I'm very privileged I get to come in and learn all about their businesses and develop multimedia marketing campaigns. So campaigns across all different areas all around the country, come up with some great ideas and then support the the MediaWorks team to see that through to fruition. So do a few different things. <laughs> that would be really cool. And all the different great. companies I, love it. I bet you get to meet and learn about and learn about what they offer. Gives yep. you probably a really good perspective for your business too. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, a, it's a really nice opportunity as well to get to know business owners that have been small and have gone through that journey and and now are quite big and successful. You know, Novus is an example or Trade Staff. I work with both of them and, and they've had amazing journeys to where they are now. Really switched on business people who do some really good work. Uh, and it's great to be able to, you know, be in their ear and ask them for advice as well. Yeah, definitely. What do you... Uh... What would be your favourite part about marketing in the tech sector? You know, because obviously with media works, you probably have a range of, you know, not tech, but B2C and other things. But specifically for the tech sector, what would be your favourite part of marketing? I think my favourite thing about tech is that, and, and, and it can be a challenge as well, you know, is that it's ever changing. Right. So so there's all these new products coming through and technology coming through that make things easier for people. And so it kind of, you know, the the roadmap is changing constantly. That's fun. That that keeps it exciting and you keep coming up with new ideas. And, you know, I think often what tech companies are offering is is can be something that's novel. So they have realized that there's a need. They've created a product that solves that need and then they need to go out to market and market that they have solved this problem and this may be a problem that people are very interested in but until they see your marketing they don't even know that they have that problem or that you can solve it and so I think that's a really fun part about tech marketing but it's also quite a challenging part about tech marketing yeah and obviously like marketing a way that you the pain is big enough for them to make that choice to make the purchase because people can have pain but if it's not big enough to make an action action then they're not going to do anything about it you know and that's what we've found (laughs) and also you don't know what you don't know sometimes you don't know until you get into it and you're like actually I have that problem and 10 other people have this problem as well yes or I didn't realize that that's a problem or I did kind of find that annoying but I didn't know you could solve it and actually you can solve your product can solve this problem this problem this problem so now it's worth the purchase yes definitely what do you think, talking about tech marketing and everything that's involved in that, what do you think would be the biggest challenge that we all face as tech marketers in New Zealand? Yeah, I, th- I think it comes back to we're talking about, about how you're solving a problem rather than selling a product, right? So you're not selling a sandwich, you're not, you know, that you can actually hold and, and take away. You're not selling a ball that you can then give to a kid to to go and bounce around. You know, it's it's you you're solving a problem. The product that is purchased is going to save you time or it's going to make your business more efficient. And so the tricky thing about marketing that is that you need to, there's so much that you need to explain. And if you're doing something like radio or you're, you know, you're putting out, you know, like an ad on LinkedIn or something, there's only so many words and so much real estate you have to explain that, right? So it's how do we 
take all this really complex, amazing product that we have and all of these amazing things that it does for you and boil that down into something really short and sharp that's going to make people go, oh, I'm going to click on this ad or I'm, I'm going to go and have a look a bit more about this product or I'm going to listen to the rest of this radio ad because I actually think this might be something that I'm interested in. And so I think that's the biggest challenge. It's not selling something that people are already very aware exists, like a basketball. Mm-hmm. It, it And it's actually... I've, I'm going to solve this problem for you with this amazing product that that I've developed in this tech space. And, you know, often products in the tech space do come with quite a high cost in your marketing business to business. So it's it's really, how can I get the right people to understand what my product does and be interested enough to take the next step, whether that's to go and have a look at our website or book a demo with us or or, or whatever that next step is. And that can be hard. Definitely can be hard, especially with the the buyer's journey getting so long now and how many touch points that actually need to happen. And, you know, when you've got a high-cost product, it takes that much longer to get that person across the line. Mm. And you've got a lot of challenges along the way and a lot of different competitors and how do you kind of counteract that and what can you do as as a marketing team to help solve those issues? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Talking about tech marketing, let's move on to some lessons that you probably mm-hmm. have learned in your long career of a range of different <laughs> things. But what would be some of the biggest lessons you've learned as a tech marketer? It could be media work or now or a bit of both. Probably one of the biggest things is never assume that you know what your audience wants or what they're thinking. It's it's always worth going out and doing some research on your target market and finding out what about our product do you like the best? And sometimes you'll get some amazing things back that you never actually realized was a value. And you and then you think, oh, you know, I could actually use this for marketing. I didn't realize. To, to me, you know, we see our product and it has all these amazing bells and whistles. But but to you, this is this is what's, you know, the, the most important, for example. You know, and I, and I do that. Do you have any examples of, you know, things that any campaigns that you've done and you kind of realise when you're in it that you've made assumptions about the audience and what they want and it's a bit different to the reality of them in a real life sense? Yeah, I mean, I could give you an example, say, with Follow My Lead, for example. You know, I was talking with a client recently about, you know, what what did you find of most value about this training? You know, and, and for us, one of the big things is that we present training in a way that people, you know, it's bright and it's interesting and it's interactive and, and people will enjoy doing it. And so we're quite careful how we build our training to make sure it doesn't feel too long. There's not too much text. You know, you might get a video and then you get some text and then you get a game. And so, you know, it doesn't feel same, same all the time. And so to us, that is a big plus. When I went and sort of had a debrief with this client about, you know, what was the most helpful for for them, it was having somebody come in that could take, that could work with their subject matter expert and take all of that information and turn it into some training because they just had no idea where to start. And they just had this person that knew all this stuff and did all the training one-to-one and that was kind of how they did it. And so for them, their biggest, you know, benefit was A, having someone come in that could take all that information and do something with it. And B was the way that we wrote the wording of the training was really easy to understand and wasn't too technical. 
And so for them, that was actually the two biggest benefits. And that wasn't, you know, when I kind of went in and I was selling them the training and I was talking to them about what they wanted to do, you know, we were like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll create something that your team will enjoy. And yes, they liked that side of it. But there were other things that were more important to them. And, and it was, you know, it was the, the big thing was like that. How, we've got no idea how to start. So if someone comes in and says, well, we'll do it with you and we'll help you mm-hmm. right from the beginning, that was that was massive for them. And so that, for example, is an area that, you know, maybe because we do that every day and that's kind of bread and butter, it doesn't seem like a big hurdle to us. But to them, that was huge. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of an example of, you know, thinking, oh, this is what we have to offer. But actually, these little side things are, are super good or super yeah, helpful. more benefit to them, really. You know, yes. not the main contender is what you yeah. would have originally think. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting, actually. So, it's, yeah, it's always worth maybe with a client when when you've kind of sold to them, maybe if, you know, you've gone through that implementation process, do a debrief with them, you know, what or, or even six months or a year down the track, you know, what, what do you find the most useful about our product now that you're using it? And I guarantee there will be some little nuggets in there that you didn't realise is actually a really good feature of your product. Yeah, wow, very cool. Uh, sorry, I just lost my <laughs> train of thought. What after the we've just talked about like some lessons that you learned and examples mm. of that, but what would be three pieces of advice following on from those lessons for new marketers starting out in the tech sector? I think uh, probably n- number one that we've already kind of touched on is really understand your product and your audience. So that's that's taking the time. I think first, you know, when when you come into a new business and you're doing the marketing, especially in tech you've got to understand the product. So you've got to take the time, I think, to sit down and talk to all the different people in the business that work with different aspects of the product, what they see as a value and what's what's cool and, you know, what's different. And you'll probably find, like, little nuggets talking to people. And that only really comes from talking to team members rather than just going on the website or looking at your product information. An example of that, I worked with a quite popular restaurant and bar here in Christchurch. And I, I sat down with the owner when they were, they'd been doing radio advertising for a while and they wanted to kind of freshen up and do something different. And so I sat down and I kind of was chatting with him about the business and, you know, why do people come? Oh, it's a good atmosphere. You know, we have nice food, all these things that are the same as every other restaurant and bar. Hmm. And then so we got chatting and he said to me, oh, yeah, you know, we don't have a freezer here. We only have a fridge because everything we make is fresh. And I just went, there it is, you know, and, and I created a whole marketing campaign for him around nothing that we serve will ever be frozen because we don't have a freezer. Everything in this place is fresh. And, you know, that was kind of that little nugget that I could use that gave them a point of difference and that people go, oh, cool, you know, I want to go here for food because I know that, you know, it's it's going to be good. And you, and you can only really find that out when you really dive into it because he probably yes. didn't even think that as a, think of that as a selling point, really. No, no. But, but, you know, the moment he said it, I thought, oh, this is cool. You know, this is a really good point of difference for them that we can use to then reinforce that message of we have good food. And so I think the same thing comes when you work in a tech company is going around and, and spending a little bit of time with, you know, the, the various different people in the different departments and going, you know, what what is, you know, talking with sales, but also, you know, talking with production or development or, you know, implementation teams or, or all of that around, you know, what are some unique things that you can tell us that make us different? And so that's working with people within the business, but then working with people, you know, 
clients outside of the business and saying, well, what did you find as, you know, a really good point of our product that that maybe I'm not aware of yet and I could market to others. So that would be my number one. <laughs> We've got three, right? So that's that. Find your unique point of difference and market that. And that will change over time as well. You know, I think it's it's important to not be like, this is why we're different and that's what we do. You know, it's 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 continuing to to look at the market and market trends and, and changes and the product will continue to develop over time. Um and so it's keeping on top of that. Especially um, in the tech sector too. You know, yes. out of all the industries yeah. and all the sectors and things like that, tech is constantly changing and you've yes. always gonna be at the forefront of that to be ahead yeah. and to be providing the best service and product to your clients. Yeah, absolutely. And so say, you know, with you guys, with with your software, you know, you may have a release that comes out and and suddenly there's a whole new feature available. And so that might be something that then is the unique selling point for you guys. So then it's pivoting your marketing to, oh, we now have this feature as well. And that might be the final thing that makes someone go, yes, you know, that's I'm now going to purchase that because this is the the last piece of the puzzle that that I want. And so um, even like understanding how they have how your audience responds to different messages too. Like we used to do releases just by letting people know about the release, and then we'd find that they weren't actually reading it in detail or anything like that. So we started doing like the top three things in the release as a short video, nice. and then attached a document and an email as well, and it gave them enough is like a sound bite to kind of get a bit interested and we definitely found that our click-through rate and reading the emails and all the documentation people just much more engaged with the release and actually improving and that's a product improvement thing that you want all your clients to be on board about. Yes and and because essentially you're kind of marketing to them right you're remarketing to existing clients to keep them and to keep showing them how they can make the most out of their product and if you're not doing that I mean that's a unique feature I think as well of tech you know you need to keep telling them why the product is good and what it can do and how it can help them because otherwise you're opening the door for a competitor to come in and go well our product can do all these things and it may be that your product can do those things but they don't realize and then they go we'll move to this product then because it does all these things I was actually chatting with a client about that the other day and and yeah the importance of of making sure that people are using that your solution to its full potential because otherwise you know you, you open the door for a competitor to come in and try yeah, and sell I think the, the most dangerous thing you can be as a marketer is comfortable yes because if you're comfortable you're not looking at better ways of doing things or yes. different messages or gaps in the market so yeah that would be my one thing would be yeah that kind of that kind of <laughs> Yes, that that kind of led into what my third piece of advice would be is never be afraid to be wrong, yeah. right? You will have campaigns that don't work and you you think, what, this campaign was amazing and I'm sure it was, you know, going to get all these clicks and all this, and, and it doesn't. And that will happen. That happens to everybody. And so it, so then it's around, okay, well, can I work out why this didn't work so that I can I can change it? Is it is it the messaging? Is it the platform that we used? Is it the investment that we had in that particular product? Was it the timing, you know? And, and then you can learn from that and go on to create a better campaign next time. Yeah, definitely. What would have been some of the more considerable challenges you have had to overcome in tech marketing and how did you tackle them? So like talking more about kind of specifics, around mm. your your experience and different jobs and yeah. what your challenges have been and how you've dealt with them, really? I think, 
Yeah, I, I sort of had in, in here that I was kind of going to talk around, you know, how you explain what this complex idea and how you boil that down into something that, that people might act on. And so kind of an example here, I guess, is, you know, zero accounting, if, if we're talking about them, you know, what is zero? It's an accounting platform where you can do put in all your transactions, you can do invoices, you can do your GST, like there's all this kind of list of stuff that it does, right? And so it's quite complex and there's lots of things that it can do. But why should someone care? Why, why, if you list everything that it does, some people will go, yes, I would like that. And other people will go, oh, that looks a bit complicated. I don't think I'm going to go for it. So then you got to boil that down again. You know, what is then what does it do? Well, it helps people understand accounting and it makes things faster, right? You know, that sounds a bit better. People are more likely to go and investigate, but it's still a little bit convoluted. So if you go down a bit further, it saves you time. Then it's be like, oh, do you want to save time on your accounting? Yeah, I do. Okay, click, you know? And yeah. so, but that can be really hard because if you're focused on, you know, oh, but we want a unique selling point and our, and our product does this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, cool. Maybe it, you need to deliver that information, you know, once they've clicked through to the ad. And, and what you really need to boil down is what problem does this, what one unique selling point do we have? Mm. What problem does it solve for a client? We did a really interesting marketing campaign for Novus Glass. I'm sure Mike won't mind me talking about this. When windscreens are boring, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike says this all the time, windscreens are boring. And most people have insurance, so they don't have to pay anything to get their windscreen fixed if they have a crack or a chip. So why should people care? Right. And and so that was our big challenge. It was like windscreens are boring and why should people care which provider they choose? And, you know, Novus had quite a, a fun, has always had quite, you know, fun branding campaign and they're doing quite a bit in the environmental space at the moment. And so they wanted to tie that in. And, and so we were having discussions around what can we do that's different, that's, you know, leads into that environmental space and is going to kind of make a difference. And so we came up, we created a campaign for them that for every repair or replacement, they donate towards planting native trees. And, and so the interesting challenge there was we've given people a reason to care because if they choose this brand, they're doing some good in the world. And 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 so we released that and it's it's been amazing. You know, people have actively chosen Novus over other providers for that reason. And so so that was the challenge. How could we make people care? What can we do that's different? And how can we do some good in the world? And now they've planted over 9,000 trees, you know, in the last just over a year. And so that's that's really cool. That's really cool. So it's really cool to be part of that as well. Yes. To, you know, a company that's being that forward thinking and, you know, helping with the environment and having that focus as part of their 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 own internal business strategy. Yeah. And then helping them in an indirect way with their marketing. That's really cool to be part of. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been an awesome campaign and a really good team to work with. And it's it's cool to see that difference. You know, we went out and planted about 7,000 trees last August. And we had, you know, a couple of hundred people from the community all turn up in gumboots with spades and, you know, put these trees in the ground. And it, it was cool. It was in a public spot out at Autumn Bradley Park. So we can walk out and go and see those trees at any time. Yeah, it was a, it was a really nice community feel. Cool. I want to move a little bit on because you've got quite a, a different experience where you've, you know, you work for MediaWorks, but also you've got your own company. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about having your own company, like pre versus post-pandemic obviously there's been a lot of different challenges for a lot of different businesses and 
I just wanted to see your perspective on how businesses have changed since the pandemic. Yeah, the yeah, the pandemic has been a massive mental shift for businesses that I have found. You know, pre pre pandemic, in terms of training, oh, okay, that sounds cool, but we've over, always done training this way and it works. So maybe we'll give you a call later or, you know, oh, oh yeah, maybe I can see the value, but we've always done one-to-one training or we've always flown train our trainer around the country to do that in person or we've always done classroom-based sessions to do this. And then the pandemic happened and businesses had to change the way they worked and they had to do it really fast. <laughs> and so they had all these people working from home and, you know, it, it was like, oh, you know, we can work this way and this does seem to go okay. And it really forced a change in perspective. And and then so we kind of came out of all the lockdowns and, and you know, there was a lot of unrest around, around straight after that. But a lot of businesses were like, right, how can we do things better? You know, we've had to change a few things. And actually, this has brought some real positive change in our business and the way that we do things in our processes. So what else can we do that's going to change this? And all of a sudden, I was no longer having these conversations of, oh, we've always done training this way. And this is so we'll probably just keep doing that way. That conversation just did not happen anymore, pretty much overnight. It was like, oh, I can really see the value in this. And yeah, I think we'd be keen to make make some change. And so I no longer kind of had to sell them the reason why they should invest. They were just like, yeah, I, I think this is a good idea and it's a it's a modern way forward and we know that we're going to have to do this. So whether it's a yes, we do this now or we'll do it in a year's time, that whole piece around, oh, we're just going to keep doing what we've always done, just just disappeared. And, and I think that's amazing, you know, and, and there was a real kind of tech and especially software boom after that and, and so many businesses upgrading and changing and yeah we're going to do more stuff online and you know we're going to change the way that we do things and you could see that as well in the change in online shopping you know that massively shot up during lockdown which you'd expect or straight after lockdown but it stayed high and so people are now quite happy to purchase a whole lot more things online than necessarily you know go into a store or they're quite happy to do a zoom or a teams call you know, pre-pandemic, if we were going to look at recording a podcast, we'd probably go and do it somewhere together rather than, yeah. you know, doing it remotely, whereas now that seems normal. And so, yeah, it's it's been an amazing shift and I think a really exciting shift for the tech industry because all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, show me what you got. Yeah, if you think this can change stuff for us, we're happy for you to show us and then we'll make a decision about whether or not we want to go ahead with the purchase. But, the, you know, the door's wide open. Yeah, and they're just people are so more open to doing things differently. I guess, you know, yeah, to always improving their processes too. So not just oh, this is how we've always done it. Like, yes. This is how we've always done it. But if you can prove to us that you can do it better, let's give that a go. Which is yeah, really good as opposed to, to oh, we're fine. Oh no, come and come and at least show us what you think yeah. we could do better, and then we'll make a decision. That's awesome. Yeah, one good thing that came out of the pandemic, at least. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the you know, the, the pandemic was horrible, but for my business, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> what, just going on from still keeping on the conversation of mm. your business and your experience in that, what do you think are the biggest barriers businesses are facing at the moment? I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And I think the media talks a lot about uncertainty, which makes everybody more uncertain and worried yeah. and what's, what's, you know, happening and are we... <laughs> You know, pe- people aren't spending. The cost of living is going up, and and you know everybody's under under stress. And 
should I invest in things or should I just wait and see? That's a challenge. Staffing's been really difficult. You know, that's starting to ease a bit now, I think. But, you know, with record low unemployment and the borders closed, a, a lot of businesses had the work but couldn't find the staff to do it. And that was really challenging for them. And and so, yeah, I think financial difficulties, issues with cash flow coming through, and, and then kind of, yeah, that, that uncertainty of... Uh, what do we do you know in the tech in the tech space we're often selling b2b right but those businesses that you're selling to might be b2c and they're worried that the customers are going to be spending less because they're going to have less at the end of the day because the cost of living has skyrocketed so the business that you're trying to sell your tech product to may be a lot more weary than they were six months ago because they're not sure what that customer is going to do. And so that kind of ends up making things difficult at the moment, right down the chain. Definitely. And talking about the staffing as well, you know, being able to find staff but not finding the right staff, that can yeah. be a big challenge too because you can always get people in, but quite often they may not be the right fit for that certain role. Yeah. So, and without that talent coming through, that that's a huge challenge and I've seen it throughout businesses. Yeah, or, or the flip side, you know, with unemployment being low and everybody looking, you might find a good person, but within six months they've been poached by someone else who's made them an offer they can't refuse because they want them. And so then you spend all this time getting them into the business and understanding it and training them and then they're gone again. And that that's yeah. almost worse. <laughs> Especially for business owners, definitely. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the unique selling point, um, but what do you think is – the main importance of this for the tech sector? I think everything. Yeah. I, I think a, a, what we call a USP, unique selling point, is so important in the tech sector because a, a lot of what you're selling in the tech sector is unique for a reason and you've got to really give people a reason to be interested in your product. And there's so many new products out there and, and solutions and, and new things. And you really need to tell people in a clear, concise way, what can we offer you? Why are we different? What What's special about our product? And I think because there are, there's so much marketing and messages out there. You know, you scroll down a LinkedIn feed, for example, and there's lots of ads. And so your USP really needs to grab the right person. So you need to understand your product, you need to understand your target market, and you need to be telling them something that's going to make them click and find out more. Definitely makes sense, and it's something that I guess we all need to think about, and not like ongoing as well. So yeah. just because you've got a USP now, it might not be the same USP in a year's yes. time. Yes. So exactly, or or it may be that you know you know we talk with marketing about how a huge percentage of the people that you're marketing to are not in the market yet for your product. They're just in that kind of awareness stage. They're not ready to buy. I think only 10% of the people that you're reaching are actually actively looking for a product like yours. Mm. So if you have a USP that you're talking about now, and then you're kind of continuing to tweak that, depending on what you're finding out within the business, outside of the business, what's going on, you know, around the country, around the world, within that sector, it may be that in six months, in, in five years' time, that person who's been seeing all of your stuff but not responding to it is finally actually at the bottom of that funnel and they're in the market. Mm-hmm. And that they've seen all of your USP, all of your differences, 
and they're now ready to purchase. And that final one that you introduce them to is is the final piece of the puzzle for them, and then they drop down into your into your lead funnel. Perfect. Well, one of I guess not the USP, but one of the selling points of our product is that we do online training for our clients as like a mm. as a free service. We provide it to them after they've done the training. What yes, do you, I've seen what your platform. It's amazing. <laughs> What are your thoughts on the importance of online training from your perspective? Obviously, you've got a a business that offers it, but yes. I'd really like to get your thoughts on it. I I think online training, obviously, because this is what I've based my business on, but <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's so important. It saves time, it saves money, it makes sure that what you're teaching people is correct and you know is maintained in the way that you teach every person that, that comes on board and, and what they need to know. So there's nothing missed or it's it's taught or explained the same way across multiple people, you know, and it allows you to onboard remotely as well. Mm-hmm. So there, there may be part of the training that needs to be done face-to-face and that's great, but there may be certain things that you want to teach people that you can teach people online and that they can get on and do when they start in the business or even before they start on their own. And so that means that your kind of best people or your trainers are freed up to do the work that they need to do. And it also means that new recruits can come back and look at that training again and again and again. And so if they're unsure about how to do something, how to, you know, use your software, for example, or, you know, when you have clients and you want to onboard them and they need to use your software, if they need to know how to do something, they then don't need to come back and ask you because you you showed them. They go, oh, I know exactly where to find that. And I'm going to go in here and I'm going to look it up and I'm going to find my answer immediately. So it's what you call a just-in-time resource, which means that it's available just in time when you need it. Mm-hmm. I think when we caught up, we talked a little bit. I did some research, which I thought was really interesting about pre- and post-pandemic. So in 2019, only 5.4% of employed people were working remotely. And this is worldwide. So 5.4% were working from home. Pretty much everybody else is, is working at work or, you know, within the business. By 2022, 70% of full-time workers were working from home. So there were still some effects of the pandemic going on there, I think. But what that's done is it's there's been a huge shift in the workforce wanting the opportunity to work from home where possible, it's not always possible, but but where it is, they want the opportunity to do that. And so there was a survey that I found from a company called Flexi Jobs. This was conducted in America that 65% of respondents wanted to work remotely full-time and 32% wanted a hybrid work environment. So put those two together and there's 90% of the people that they interviewed wanted to be offered some kind of remote work. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we were talking before about staffing and how difficult that is to find the right people. You need to be able to offer them flexibility. And so bringing that back, online training allows you to do that. So you might have them in the office two or three days a week and you might have them working from home two or three days a week. However, you know, they might want to work it. So then if they're not sitting next to somebody at a desk and they need to know how to do something, they're either going to have to ring somebody on Teams or message them or they're going to try and work their way through it and hope they get it right. Or they know that because they did their online training, they know where to access the information and they just go through and find it. So it's important to set that up well so it's easy for them to find the information that they need. And in our courses, for example, there's a search feature so you can search for a keyword and it will bring up every place in that training course where that keyword exists. So it's super quick to find what you need. But I think 
that's really important. So it really gives you that flexibility to be able to attract the right candidates, offer people information when they need it in a, you know, in a way that's easy to find. And that can help reduce errors in your business too. Yeah, definitely. And even just adding on to that, something that we've found as well is not, you know, in, more often than not, not everyone can attend the training or, yeah. you know, you're short staffed depending on the industry that you're in. You know, the healthcare sector, for example, if they're doing online training, they can't always have all the nurses together at once to do the training in person. So having that resource available so they can do it at home or in the office or whenever they want at whatever time mm -hmm. they want enables them everyone to be on level playing field when it comes to skills for that product that yes. tech product definitely. yeah that's right you know I've got a client at the moment that does a lot of shift work and so getting everybody in a classroom together is not feasible because you basically have to shut down operations yeah. or you know so they are releasing online training because everybody can do it you know, a, a bit before work or from home or on a break or, or whatever, and you don't have to get everybody together. Yeah, and even doing it at their own time as well. You know, hmm. quite often sometimes people, English is a second language or, yes. you know, they have their own challenges and it just enables them to do it in a stress-free environment where they yeah. can do it at their own pace rather yeah. than feeling like they're being left behind if the instructor is yeah. going too quickly or whatever it may be. I think the cool thing as well that is is starting we're starting to see and we're starting to do more and more of is what's called micro learning and so that's taking information from maybe the original courses that we've created and sending out two or three minute learning activities once a week or every couple of weeks on areas that people struggle with and so that's a really cool feature of online training is that you can just kind of retrain people in very small chunks regularly which makes them feel supported and continues to make sure that we're offering people resource to help them in the areas that they're struggling with. Very cool. Do you have any tips for companies looking to invest in online training for their staff or even their clients? Yeah, come and see us. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a few tips here actually around you know if you're going to start documenting some of your training resources you know the hardest part is probably starting so it's it's working out what you need to teach and and then making a plan of you know how how you how you want to teach that information to people how you're going to structure the information it's important to consider you know length and that you're not putting too much technical stuff into each course because people get fatigued what learning type you're going to include and then it's really important to make it relevant and have examples. So I guess those are some tips if you're looking to kind of kind of start planning. But I love meeting new businesses and people working within those businesses and finding out what their challenges are and, you know, what they want to do. And so I'm always happy. I love going out and meeting people. If anyone wants to have a no obligation free chat around what your training is like now, what you want to achieve, you know, I can give you some tips and tips and ideas and we can see if there's some way that we can support them to, you know, create some really cool training content that they can serve out to their teams. Oh, fantastic. That's great. Thanks, Asha. Lastly, who are some tech marketers you admire and why? And who do you think we should call up next for this podcast? Oh, well, I was thinking about this. I mean, there's 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 some definitely some very interesting People out there, I think one of the teams that I work in with a lot, which is a digital marketing agency called Digital Influence, got to know the team quite well there because they do quite a lot of the marketing for some of the radio clients that I work with. And they're doing some really cool 
kind of making the most of the tools that are out there and, and using them in a novel and kind of unique way. And so, and so they might be using kind of really encouraging people to use chat features on Facebook or, or yeah, that they are doing some kind of fun campaigns and then doing some really nice reporting afterwards on, on how those went. And so they are a marketing team that, that, you know, I admire a lot and I, I enjoy working with and, and some of the, you know, the stuff that they're doing is, is quite, you know, pushing the box out there. The the MediaWorks team do some really cool um, digital marketing stuff as well. You know, there's there's a few really cool products out there. Something, for example, called Mirrors, which is basically on any huge, it's, it's a marketing campaign where on any YouTube video, it can identify what certain things are in that video and then it will market to an audience based on what's in there. So if, for example, there's a music video where a guy's wearing some really cool Nike shoes, it will identify the type of Nike shoes that are in there, and then it will put an ad underneath for, like, you know, Adidas version of those shoes. Yeah. And and so there's there's some really kind of quite cool, different yeah, really cool. things out there that you can do kind of out of the box. Or I, I had a client where we can, you know, your phone kind of always knows roughly where you are. And so we can remarket to clients based on where people have been. And so you might have, for example, if Field Days was on, you could then serve out a marketing campaign to remarket to everybody that went to Field Days. And so you could say, oh, we've got some great Field Days specials on at the moment. You may have seen us at Field Days. Click here and you can see what those marketing specials are. And so you know that your your target demographic are the people that would have gone to Field Days. And so then you're only you're remarketing to only those people that went there. Or you could remarket to only those people that went there and went to your competitors location and spent more than 20 minutes in that particular location and then you just remarket to those people that you know are probably in the market with your competitor and you want to get your yeah there's a lot of really cool stuff wow. that you can do well, we'll um, have to, i'll have to get you to do some intros so that we can get yeah. a couple of those people on the podcast that would be fantastic yeah, cool. um but thank you yeah, so, so so yeah thank you so media works team are doing some cool stuff there too Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming along. You've shared some fantastic insights and I'm sure all of our listeners feel the same. If you have any questions for Sasha or for future episodes, please get in touch. Sasha, how can our listeners reach you? Just head over to our website, followmylead.co.nz um, or feel free to send me an email. If you just send it to info at followmylead.co.nz, you'll reach me. And if you'd like to reach us at the Tech Marketers Group, you can find our website and social accounts at the sh in the show notes. For more NZ Tech Marketing content, be sure to like this episode and give us a follow. Until next time. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much.